Welcome to the Life Church. We are so excited that you've tuned into our program to listen to a wonderful message. On behalf of Pastor Walt Landers, our senior pastor, we just want to say thank you. Our mission here at the Life Church is to connect people with God's purpose. If you don't already have a church home, we want to invite you to join us at 3301 TLC Way. Now let's prepare our hearts to receive a word from God through this morning's message. How's everybody doing this morning? Some of, some of you have, might be having football withdrawals because we're in that state where it just went blank for six or seven months. And I don't know about you, but this is always that time of year where I need extra prayer. And probably my wife needs extra prayer because she don't know what to do with me because there's no games to watch. So, uh, so we're going to have fun today. And, you know, I read a statistic the other day and I thought it was interesting and kind of life-changing, to be honest with you. But it said that 98% of Americans like pizza. I got to thinking about that. There's not a lot of things we can say that 98% of anyone likes, but it says 98% of people like pizza. And so I thought, you know, if we can get in that kind of agreement over pizza, we can get in that kind of agreement that God wants to work in your life and on your behalf. Amen. And uh, we recently launched into a series called In Light of Eternity. And a pastor's been laying out the heart of the church and where we are as a church and, and really has just done a beautiful job of setting us up for what God's doing here at the Life Church. And so he, he's talked about how, how to get connected and how God, we, he wants God to, you to be connected to God's purpose and people matter to God, therefore people matter to us. I'm going to say that one more time. People matter to God. Therefore, people matter to us, and so you matter, and you see that on every aspect of the church. And then last Sunday, a pastor got into the core values of the Life Church, and he taught, uh, began to teach on the, uh, uh, how to live the Spirit-filled life. And so uh, and he taught that really powerfully based upon the fact that when God moves in your life and Jesus uh, comes on the inside, and how many of you know your relationship with Christ is internal and then it shows outwardly, it's not outwardly, uh, and then you hope to get it on the inside, but when you have an experience with Jesus and you receive him into your life, that there are signs that follow that experience. And God begins to move in, in certain areas of your life. And so the good news is, if you came in here today and you don't know about Jesus and you don't, haven't had that internal experience with God, that there's hope for you and that God, God has a hope and a future for you and he wants to move in your life today, in your family, no matter where we're at, no matter how messed up we become, right? God's always moving and God's always speaking. Look at your neighbor and say, smile, come on. I know it's sunny or rainy, but it's gonna be okay. And uh, God did give us teeth for a reason to show it's beyond eating, but, but we wanna live the spirit-filled life. And pastor made a statement last week that I thought was powerful and, and I was sitting on the front row over here and it just kind of kind of hit me and I thought that you know there's something powerful about that but he talked about divine life and how when you live a spirit-filled life that it will cause us to live with evidence and then he talked out of Galatians chapter 5 and this is our launching point today Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 25 and it says but the fruit of the spirit somebody say fruit how many of you know we we don't live in judgment but we can judge fruit that's a biblical principle but it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of you, if you really pay attention to those words, how many of you know those words working in your life could make a whole bit of difference, right? It could take you to a whole different place. Think about that. It says uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Some of you in here wish your husband or your wife or your family or your boss would show a little joy, peace, kindness. This is a part of the spiritual life. Somebody say spiritual life. 
gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, and those who are Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also, or let us walk in the Spirit. You know, Pastor made a made a, a statement last week about a pig. He said, "You can dress up a pig." And no matter how great you dress up the pig, let it go and it's going to return to the mud. And so what Galatians chapter 5 teaches us, it teaches us when you have an inward experience with Jesus, our leader, right? When you have an inward experience with Jesus, when he comes to live on the inside of you, there's something on the inside of you, come on, that just wants to change. And not only does it want to change, but God gives you the power. When he comes to live on the inside of you, he gives you the power to start living with that evidence working in your life. Not only that, when, when he sets it up, he, just, he sets it up for us personally in our relationship with him. But the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 also sets a guideline on our interaction and our relationships with one another. And so we learn that in our relationships, there should be love. In our relationships, there should be long-suffering. In our relationships, there should be giving. In our relationships, come on, there should be faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I'm not sitting up here telling you today that I've conquered every one of these in my life. My wife can tell you that as well, right? Because she knows me. But I do know this, that when, we, when, when Jesus starts working on the inside of us, something happens. Our desires for selfishness begin to take a back seat. And all, the, all of a sudden, other people's needs come to the forefront. That's what should happen. And so I remember when I was a... And we're talking today about number two in the series called Lit, to live, Living in Community. Or to Live in Community. But I remember when I was I, I, 17 years old, I believe it was, I went to a church service and... My dad was a pastor, so I was always around church and had different experiences with church. And it was, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. I was a pastor's kid, so I've seen it all. And so I remember, though, I'd ne- something was missing on the inside of me. Well, I go to, they were having a conference down here at the convention center. And uh, I decided to go to that conference. And, you know, I was thinking about this earlier in the week. Greg Estes was playing keyboard at that conference. And that was, that was a long time ago. Not to tell his age, but just kidding. And so we're at, this, we're at this conference, and they do an altar call. I couldn't tell you who was preaching. I couldn't tell you what happened, but me and a buddy named Jeff went to this conference. And while they were preaching, something internally, something inside of me was just turning. And I thought, you know, I want that kind of life. There was something that stirred on the inside of me. Had no idea what it looked like outside of that, but something inside of me was just stirring. And so I respond to the altar call. I come down to the altar. I believe in the altar. I believe their experiences, but I had an experience with God and something on the inside of me. I didn't even ask for, I just went up there and and had a moment and the power of God just hit me and God began to work internally in me. And, and, and from that process, I left there and my desires begin to change. And so I was a young guy, but I was a guy who said, Hey, I want to make a difference in life. And so we're going, I, I've had this experience with God and I'd heard that this other guy had an experience with God. So I went and I lived on 20th street, uh, East 20th and grew up from, you know, anywhere from 17th street on up to 42nd street and, and 45th street actually. And so, I mean, that was our, that was my hood. That was where I grew up, right? I was a white boy, but I knew about the hood a little bit in certain aspects. And so, and I could run fast. So that always kept me out of trouble. And so, so during that time I went and, and I, and I had, a, had a conversation with a guy named Terrence and God had begun to move in his life and we began to share and I'd had this experience with God and I wanted to make a difference. Didn't know what I was doing, but I wanted to make a difference. And so 
we, they got to asking questions. And so he said, hey, I got these two guys I want you to talk to. So we all meet up and we're talking about the word and I didn't know, much, I didn't know all the details of what I was trying to do, but I would tell them what I knew. And then, you know, it just snowballed and people started asking questions and, 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 and two turned into four and four turned into six. And I remember thinking they'd ask me a question and I'd say, I don't know that, that, the answer to that question but I'll get back to you. And in those days, you couldn't just pick your phone up and text. Come on, your texting was, t- was, was wasting gas going back across town to get information. And so I'd get in the car, I'd go ask my dad, hey, what do I tell him about this? And he'd say, here's what you go and say. I started studying the word. Next thing you know, my whole life's just, just this, this deal and God's moving and four turned into six. And then I had a family, they said these, their kids got saved. They were about my age and they actually own a major business here in San Angelo. And they said, uh, we want you to come talk to our parents. And they didn't speak very good English, so they said, we're going to translate for you. So I go, into their, go over to their house. It's probably 23rd Street. And so I go in, and I'm sharing what I know to share. They're translating. And I never hardly got a word out, and the, just God's power hit them. And, and, and began to move. The whole family got saved. The whole family got filled with the Spirit. God was stirring. Uh, God began to move. The Word got out. People wanted to get saved. And back in those days, I didn't know about, about how to, you know, your discipleship. There was no time for that because this was happened so urgent that, you know, you, you, you didn't have a team. So at that time, I was the keynote speaker at all these major events. Come on, on the east side of town. And so, and I never got an offering either. So that... I mean, I came into ministry school of hard knocks. And so all these people are getting saved. And within three to four weeks, we decided to have a, a, a gathering at my grandmother's house. Over 85 teenagers showed up to that house and God began to move in their lives. And, and just, just an amazing time of what God can do when you just have an experience with God and realize if we've had an experience with God, it's a divine, a, a divine interaction that I'm going to help other people have the same experience. Our lives mean something. I don't care today what you've been through. I don't care what you faced. I don't care what hurts, what pains, how you've tried to disqualify yourself, the people around you got uh, disqualified yourself. You know, during that same period of time, I remember people making fun of me. I didn't care. Because I, I knew internally that I found something, come on, that nothing else could give me. Drinking couldn't give me, partying couldn't give me, running around couldn't give me, uh, you know, going bowling couldn't do it, you know, and, 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 and football was about over in those days. And so I was in, I was in a quest to find out what, you know, f- an answer for my life. I thought I was going to play college football. And so I'd signed with the school to play, uh, play football and God began to move in all these young people's lives and you know, and I and, and began to see what, what, what God could do and impact. And I had a kid show me, or a guy show me, he was the same age as me, actually, but I say kid, but. And so I'm getting ready to leave. That afternoon, my mom and went, we had bought all the stuff. I was getting ready to go to two a days in, in, in Athens, Texas, and, and, and that was my plan, but I was struggling with it because people were being touched right here in San Angelo. And so, long story short, uh, we get in a scenario where the guy shows up about three hours before I'm supposed, supposed to leave town. And he, and he was beat up, man. His face was, his, his eyes were black. His face was bloody. And I said, what happened to you? And he said, I was sharing Jesus with these guys and they just beat the heck out of me. I told you, I grew up on the north side of town. And so something in me spoke right there and I said, I can't leave right now. And so I called the coach and I said, coach, I want to come, but God started doing something. Something happened in me. Something's happening in others. And I, I just, I, this is where I'm at in life. And so he said, son, if it's God, he said, you stay down there. Or you stay there and you go to that, go down that path. He said, I'm not going to hold that against you. Turns out he was a believer too. And so 
that's kind of how my course of life started where I realized something internally shifted and I didn't have the desires to live for myself. I wanted to help other people. And I think that, that when we live in that light and we start thinking that way, living in community just doesn't mean a gathering. It means a gather, gathering of people that are filled with the power of God that have the potential, come on, to help those that are in need outside of these walls. The word community is a modern, modern word for the ancient word uh, fellowship, which is, or the word fellowship, which is in the Bible uh, all over the place. It also comes from the Greek word koinonia, which, uh, which means uh, fellowship in reality is what it means. But it also, here's the, here's the meaning. I'm trying to get somewhere this morning, but it means being as committed to each other as we are Jesus. Being committed to each other as we are Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm committed to you. We need Jesus, and it's powerful. You know, in the book of Genesis, first thing out of, out, out of that, that happens when God creates mankind, you know, Adam's hanging out, but he was by himself. First thing that happens for, uh, that God, you know, after the animals are there and all that, God begins to speak to Adam. He said, it's not good for you to be alone. There's nothing worse, come on, than being alone with no hope in sight. There's nothing worse than being alone and doing life and you have nobody to celebrate with. I mean, you could do the greatest thing in the world and accomplish something big. You look around and there's nobody to share it with. There's nothing fun about that. Or you could be at the lowest of lows down in the, the valleys of life where the pain is so big and you look up and you, and you realize that you haven't built relationships and you look up and you say, how am I gonna, how am I gonna climb out of this, this valley or how am I gonna climb out of this pit? And so God didn't just create fellowship for him to live on the inside of us. He created community so that you would have people in your life and people you could talk to, lean on and help and those that can help you and sharpen your life and pull the value that's on the inside of you out so that you can accomplish your path and your destiny. And every one of us in here today live in that community or supposed to live in that community. Every one of us has a hope and every one of us has a future. Amen? And so I'm going to give you some, just some community thoughts this morning that will just kind of help you as you're gathering along in, in life and kind of figuring out your journey. Maybe you've been saved a long time and, uh, you know, you got it all figured out and, and, and that kind of deal, and that's great. You can go help somebody else. But I'm one of those guys, I don't think I have it all figured out. I think I figured out a few things. I don't think I figured out everything. And so I need people in my life, come on, that are smarter than me and have an answer for me or have something like I did. I'm no different than I was when I was 17. I had to run across town and talk to dad to get an answer. Only great thing now, we can just send each other text. If we can't see, we don't have to waste our gas anymore, right? And so gas was cheaper then, but still. But community is a habit. It's something that God created us to do frequently. Hebrews 10.25 said us, it says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. You know, there's some things, and if you're not careful in, in your walk with God, there's some things that we're always searching for something new or something different or something better or the newest fad or the newest way of speaking or the newest, uh, you know, book that's out there. Or how am I going to get my quick healing or how am I going to get my marriage fixed fast? And the reality is, come on, somebody, God has certain processes that if you're willing to go through them, he's going to get you there anyway, right? But we've, we've got to realize that there are some habits that we create in life. And one of the habits as being a believer is meeting together. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. And so the word monotony is not a bad word. We kind of look at the word monotony, which means kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. But when you're a believer, meeting together, talking to one another, sharpening one another, every time I've ever seen somebody exit a church and, and their lives fall apart is when they disconnected from the community that God put in place. 
That's just the truth. And I'm, I've had that happen in my own life at one point. And so community keeps us sharp because there's always somebody that, that out there that has something that we need to hear. We may not want to hear it, but we need to hear it, right? So it becomes a habit. And, and because of that, it says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. It's kind of like washing clothes. I hate washing clothes. You know, stuffing them in the washer is okay. It's all that folding and, do, and that kind of deal that just gets to me. And so I figured out a way where I don't have to wash clothes. I just go buy new clothes every week, and then, and then I don't have to mess with it. And the pile just went from here, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then my wife's like, are you ever going to wash those clothes? I said, babe, I just bought three new shirts. And she goes, mm-mm. So I go in there, and I wash the clothes. I don't like washing clothes. And I'm just kidding. I don't really shop that often. But... My wife does, though. And, uh, <laughs> but I don't like washing clothes, but I have to do it. It's a healthy habit. And I'm sure the people that are near me appreciate, come on, that fresh tide scent that's happening. But there's some habits. David went and tended to the sheep. And then David would get up the next day and he'd go tend to the sheep. And then David would get up the next day and go tend to the sheep. And he did it over, and he did it over. Before he ever had a great Goliath experience, he had certain habits in his life that prepared him for success. And so we've got to ask ourselves questions at times. And and actually, I stole this thought from Pastor Lane a long time ago that, that, that we've got to ask the question, are my habits good? And is it good for my family? Is it good for my friends? Is it good for my children? Is it good for my city? Is it good for my state? Is it good for my nation? And is it good for my country? And is it good for my world? We've got to ask that question. Certain habits. Listen, I can tell you, God's going, to, God's going to speak to you about a lot of things in life, but one thing he's never going to tell you is to disconnect from the community that he established because the fruit of the Spirit is directly connected with being a part of the church. And you are the church, right? God's never going to go away from that. That's, that, that's one habit that's going to be, uh, be there until he comes back to get his church, and then we're going to hang out with him all the time anyway, right? And so that habit's a healthy habit. I don't like mowing the lawn. And my wife can testify to this too, by the way. I don't like mowing the lawn, so I just hire somebody else to do it, right? But it's got to be done. Washing dishes. Those are things that that, that just aren't on the top of my list. I do them, but I don't enjoy doing them. But it's got to be a habit if you're going to stay on top of things, right? Well, monotony is a part of Christianity as well. There's certain things that will never stop. Having your morning devotion. Pastor says it all the time. If we're going to live spirit-filled lives, get up five minutes earlier. Take time to establish your relationship with God and take time to make sure that your habits keep you around other believers. People that will sharpen you. And then you take that and you take it into the community and give it away to those that have never heard the name of Jesus. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 says that that whoever hears the sayings of Jesus and does the sayings of Jesus, it says that you build your house on the rock. And that's not just anyone talking, that's Jesus our leader right there says if you want want a life that's not going to be blown away or you want a life that's not going to be tore up every time something bad happens to you or every time you have a negative thought, you know I said this earlier that when we, when we, You know, if we're living with the evidence that the power of Christ lives on the inside of us and that hope that's alive on the inside of us that causes us to want to live in the fruit of the Spirit awakens on the inside of us. You know, you can go through some of the same problems you did a year ago, and even though it's the same problems, you look up and say, hey, what's wrong with this picture? This isn't destroying me like it used to. 
Christianity is not a path to get away from problems. It's a path to walk through the problems while God is working on your behalf, fighting your battles, come on, uh, uh, leading you and guiding you so that you look up and so you, you look up and say, man, that used to make me mad. This didn't make me mad anymore. Well, that guy, that guy gave me this look at Walmart. Come on. I remember, I, I remember my wife and I a couple years ago were walking through Walmart and they wanted my kid to sign up for football. You know, the, the Little League sports, they think it's life. They, you know, they got all the nice jerseys. It's great. And my son was already playing football. And so I'm walking through Walmart, and I didn't say this first service, but I'm walking through the Walmart, and he says, hey, you want to sign him up for football? And I said, no, I'm good. And he goes, you want to play football? And then he, he, he said something derogatory to me, and it just t- it really, really made me mad. And so we're supposed to be shopping in Walmart, and I kept looking at my wife saying, I can't believe that guy said that. He's talking to me about football? Come on. And so, you know, it, but he didn't, he just popped off, you know, in that scenario. That, that just, just irritated the heck out of me, you know. And so there are times in life where things that, that bother you then, come on, don't bother you now. And so now you realize if somebody pops off or somebody says something demeaning, you realize, hey, they're just hurting. Something's, something's wrong to cause them to act like that. And so I'm not going to let it affect me the way that it used to. Some of you stay mad for six weeks. And then your mom has to say, oh, mijo, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Not too bad for a gringo. But. And so we start, we start learning. Come on, the things that used to destroy us, the things that we used to have, the negative thoughts, when opportunity arises. And with God, let me tell you right now, opportunity always arises. And it arises when you don't see it coming. And so when that, when that opportunity, that new business deal or that new relationship or that new, uh, 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 you know, opportunity to go someplace or a mission trip or whatever that opportunity arises, come on, somebody, all of a sudden what you used to would have turned down, now you're willing to accept, even though it scares you a little bit on the inside, there's that spirit of faith that's rising up that's saying, I'm tired of doing what I used to do. God's bringing me into a new place. And because I'm filled with his spirit, I'm in connection with others, I'm listening to my God, now I'm ready to take a step that's not built upon me. And that's fun. A little scary, but it's fun, right? And so don't allow yourself to get stuck in the ruts, the things that, the things when you have experience and you know who your God is and you know that you have a hope and you know that you have a future and he's speaking to your heart. Come on, begin to walk that out and let the fruit of the spirit be evident in your life so that you don't start, st- uh, get stuck in ruts. And I have good news for you. If you are stuck in a rut, God will keep bringing that back till you deal with it. And it'll circle back. And he doesn't do that to destroy you. He circles it back because he's full of grace. And he wants you to conquer that area of your life. So when your mind used to tell you you can't do it, come on, now your spirit's leading the way. You take authority over your mind. And when that circles back, you take the step that God has for you. And maybe you're, maybe, maybe you're thinking, my husband's never going to change. Or my wife's never going to change. Or maybe you're hearing you say, I'm never going to find anybody. I'm telling you right now that if you allow the power that lives on the inside of you to start dominating your life, and you get in good connection in a small group or a men's study or having coffee at Starbucks with somebody who has something stirring on the inside of them where iron sharpens iron, and let God begin to work in that matter, I'm telling you right now, that husband will come or that wife will come or that man can change or that business situation can change. Are you listening to me this morning? So community is a habit. Number two, community is authentic. Community is authentic. I love this. I got, you know, when I got turned on to God years ago and, you know, it was a time where you couldn't be real about your issues. 
And it just wasn't talked about. It just wasn't. You, you put your best suit on. You went to church. You sang. You danced. You act like you had it all together. This, it, it just, th- at that time, things just weren't as transparent. As, as allowed, uh, transparency wasn't allowed like it should have been. And so there were things that you hold on to or things that you're going through, and you can't tell nobody because if you, if you told a Christian and it was negative and they took it as negative, then you practically got tackled by 15 of them that were telling you you can't confess that. You can't have a negative. You can't say anything negative. Oh, my God, that might happen to me. I'm thinking, I'm saying it, and it is happening to me. I need help. Am I the, me and Pastor Lane the only ones? Wow. <laughs> Speaking of transparency, just kidding. Look at your neighbor and say, be transparent. Community is authentic. It's a place to share your true feelings. And, there, you know, and so we get in places where we feel like we can't be real. There's nothing worse than feeling like you can't be real. There's nothing worse than being in environments that are not you, where you feel like you have no expression, you feel like you can't say what you need to say. You know, I think healthy relationships are, are, are able to have it out a little bit. There's going to be times where it's heated. There's going to be times where you lay it on the table. There's going to be times where somebody looks at you and say, I totally disagree with what you just said. And that's okay. But we have an opportunity to be transparent, and we have the opportunity to be authentic because people want the real deal. I remember, was it Coke that was real back years ago? Anyway, millennials are like, I have no idea. The real taste of Coke, there you go. But it's authentic. What keeps people from being authentic? What keeps people from being authentic? And I, and I know this by my own life, is at times in my life, that when, when, when it's hard to open up about issues, or it's hard to open up about failures, or it's hard to open up when something inside of you is just, just not where you want it to be. And so there's three areas there real quick I want to hit. Three areas of community uh, where being authentic as community is important. And the reason is it's a place to share your true feelings, but there are also things that keep you from being able to do that at times if we're not careful. And one of those, there's three fears there I want to talk about. One is fear of exposure. You're afraid somebody's going to find out. They need to find out. You're You're afraid somebody might find out you don't have it all together and that your watch isn't fooling anybody, your new shoes aren't fooling anybody. And we don't want to be exposed because if we're exposed, we think people are going to turn on us. What I've discovered is the more, the more you're willing to admit your faults and the more you're willing to be open about what's really wrong on the inside of you, it actually attracts people. And they want to make, it actually attracts them and they want to help you. Not only does it attract people, but it attracts Jesus. It attracts Jesus. He wants us to be open. He wants us to to get to a point in life where we really deal with those hurts and pains and the things that are holding us back. And so one is fear of exposure. Another is fear of rejection. Maybe you face things in life where where you're hurting so bad and you you feel you can't talk to anybody because you're afraid they're going to reject you, afraid you're going to say something's wrong with you or you need help or you've gone through something. Listen to me. Everyone in this room is messed up. Hmm? Every one of us is messed up. If it wasn't for Jesus, come on, somebody. If it wasn't for Jesus, we'd all be sitting. We'd all be, you know, sitting here and no tell. Probably smoke cigarettes or something. Some of you are gonna leave here and do that. That's all right too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we get we, we we get to a point in life. Listen to me. I remember when when about the same time that, that Kelly and I knew each other in high school, but. I was, I was backslidden. After that great story I told you all ago, well, years later, after pastoring and, and ministry became my life and not Jesus, 
and the pressures and seeing people fall off and the hurts and the pains and this and that, not being able to talk about it, not being able to tell other people about how frustrated you were, or you're tired, because again, if you said something negative, come on, the angels were going to strike you down. If they didn't, 15 elders would, come on. And so you're, you're sitting in that place where you're hurting and, and you couldn't tell anybody. So I, I'm be honest with you, I backslid and I backslid good. I mean, there's areas in time, I past there I don't remember a lot because I was drunk all the time. And so, and not just drunk to be drunk, I just like the energy. So I'm from the north side, I told you that earlier. And so we didn't stop at two o'clock. When two o'clock stopped, uh, Carlos, you know about this. And so when two o'clock didn't stop, we went till daylight. Come on, we went to the after, to the after, after in high school and then in this path of life. And so, but I remember I went to, the, to out one night and struggling and, and, uh, he said, you know, my flesh was having fun. My spirit was miserable. And so I remember getting home from one of those. I went to this party, and these people were, 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 were talking to me. And one of them says, well, hey, come over to my, my house. Let's go play some pool. We have a pool table. It's 2 or 3 in the morning. We're playing pool. And he said, I brought you over here because I want to talk to you about Jesus. He said, I know your story. And he said, you should, be, you should be preaching. Why aren't you preaching? Why aren't you ministering to people? Why aren't you helping other people? And so my natural turn, my, my, my time, I knew that on the inside, but I was, I was just like, God can't use me. I'm too messed up. He said, I disagree with you. Here, have another beer. I'm just being authentic with you. And so go through the process. Well, that night I go home and I don't even know what time I got home. And, and I probably drove home. It wasn't smart, but I was messed up. And so I get home. Uh, go to my bathroom, and all of a sudden, I remember falling down sideways into the bathroom, hit my head on the soap dispenser, and I just laid there. And I said, God, I'm tired of this. I'm tired. And so I'd like to tell you I changed right then. I didn't. Uh, ran into my wife and uh, started talking, and she was going to church at the time. I wasn't going to church at the time, and so we ended up uh, starting to talk, and, and God kind of used that situation. It's, but I remember telling her, I said, the guy you see right now is not who I am. I said, there'll be a time at some point where I'm going to fulfill what God's called me to do again. And I said, I just need you to, need you to know there's going to be some things you might not understand heading back down this path, and I can't even tell you when it's going to be, but God is, God is moving in my life, speaking in my life. And I said, there will be a point that this messed up guy you see won't be the guy you see. And I don't know if that was prophetic or by faith or what it was, but I went through a time period of just, just where I had to get real with God and I had to get real with myself, but I was disconnected from the church. And so I called, during that process, I was just frustrated. I called Dr. Carmen and I, told, and I was telling him, hey, I'm trying to get my life back to where it needs to be and what to do. And he said, David, you got to get to the church. The Bible says a city on a hill can, cannot be hidden. And that's what the church is. It's a light. It's a beacon on a hill. That's what, that's what you are. Come on, in somebody else's life. And so he said, you got to get to the church. And so I, I, I didn't, at the time, I, I was messed up. I was afraid the church would reject me. I said, there ain't no way San Angelo's going to do it. I've been out partying like crazy. Come on. And so I said, there's no way I'm going to be rejected. And so through the, through the course of time, I run into Pastor Walt at the wharf. My wife and I were over there eating and, 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 you know, we just say hi to him and Pastor Olin. A few months later, God begins to move a different way. About, about a month later, he calls me and says, hey, I've been thinking about you ever, ever since I saw you at the wharf. I said, Pastor Walt, I've been thinking about you too. And God did a divine relationship. Come on. He talked about divine life last week. God also has divine relationships for you. 
And so it took us on this course. And so you ask me how I'm standing up here this morning, I'm telling you only because the fruit of the Spirit and only because God came alive again on the inside of me and his people accepted me even in my messed up state that I was. And that's why I'm standing up here today, right? And no matter where you're at and no matter what you're facing, I'm telling you what, God has something big for you. He has something special for you. He has people that he has in your life. You need some divine relationships. You need those that'll speak the word, see the potential in you. Because I said it earlier, every one of us sitting in here today have been or currently messed up. And God wants to reach and to touch in a new level. Amen? Number three, number three in that is fear of hurt. We're afraid to open up to one another. We're afraid to, to get to a place or to get around the right people because we're afraid to get hurt again. I'm telling you right now that God has things for you and that God has people he wants to place in your life. And until those people are divinely placed into your life, come on, you can't go to the next level. And so I don't, I don't care what hurt you have today. Maybe you're hurt or you feel rejected. I'm telling you, when you get to a point where you're willing to accept and say, hey, I'm willing to take a chance again. Maybe hurts talking to you and telling you, you can't step out. You can't, things can't turn around. I've, I've done too much. I've messed up too much. I'm telling you, in the community of God, it's never too late. And God can take your life. He can redeem it. He can redeem the time and things you never thought possible. Come on, somebody. Begin to stir and move in your life. I'm telling you right now, God wants to heal your life. But you have to open yourself up to love again. You have to open yourself up, come on, to allow that healing to take place and to God to move in a different level. And so that's why I'm being so real with you today, that community is real. And it's okay to talk about your weights. It's okay to talk about your burdens. Last thing, community is mutual. We grow together. And we need people in our lives that help us along that path. Pastor Lane and I, we, we meet every week. And sometimes it's just being friends. And we say, we're not talking about ministry. We just, we just need to talk. And so you grow together and you have mutual mutuality. You know, I remember... Uh, years ago, I was a young guy, and I want you know, Pastor Walt had asked me if I wanted to go deer hunting. I was probably 22, 23 years old, and so I drove down here, to, to, going through the process, and got down here, and we're going to go deer hunting, and it was real, you know, I was excited about it, and so we get out there, and th- for those of you that don't know Pastor Walt, he's a little on the wild side, and uh, he's not scared, you know what I'm saying? He's one of those guys that, that when something bad happens, come on, he'll go start a new work just to make the devil mad. He'll go reach more people, build more people, influence more people. And so I've always loved his methods because he, he has that aspect of just being a little uh, 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 not scared, not scared, you know what I'm saying, that, that, that mentality. And so anyway, he says, let's go hunting. So I said, yeah, let's go. And so it's 23 degrees, 24 degrees, very cold, very dark. And so we get out there to the deer lease and we're getting ready. And I'm settled in thinking, okay, the sun's going to come up and we're going to shoot these deer. And so Pastor Walt begins to explain that in this region or this area that we were hunting in, he says the deer come into the feeder a little before daylight and they don't stay around very long. And he says, so if we see something, we got to shoot it. And we weren't hunting illegally either. I mean, it was in that time of day where it was just close. You know, we were close, right? And so I'm sitting there and it's dark. I can't see, see that much. And he, said, and he says, there's deer in the feeder. He said, go ahead and put your scope on it. So I get out and I put my scope on it. I didn't know if it was a deer or not. I really couldn't tell. It was kind of, it was, it was really close to being dark. And he said, he said, uh, go ahead and shoot. So we fire in. I shoot that deer. I'm listening to a guy. He knows the setting. He knows when the sun's coming up. It ended up being the biggest deer I've ever shot in my life. And I couldn't even see it. 
But listen to me, but I listened to his wisdom because he knew the area. He knew how the deer functioned and he knew how, the, how things operated. Stand to your feet with me this morning. You know, in your life, it's important to get to a place. It's important to get around the right people. It's important to spend time and get to a place with somebody who knows something that you don't know. You know, and maybe, maybe you're, you're here today, every head bowed and every eye closed, and maybe you're facing things. But maybe you're here today, I'm just going to be real today, and something in this, this authentic way has touched your heart, but you're ready to say, Pastor, I'm tired of letting fear of exposure, fear of rejection, fear of past hurts keep me down. I'm ready to go where God wants me to go, and I'm ready to take the next step in my life. And if you're here, and I, maybe you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I'm, I, I, I want community in my life. Maybe you've isolated yourself to the point where you feel like nothing Nothing, you know, you have nobody or nothing good's going to happen. I'm telling you, you can turn it around. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor David, I'm ready to let it go. And I want to love again. I want to feel again. I want to give again. I want to be kind. I want to be gentle. I want to see God working in my whole family and my life in a different way. And you're ready to let those hurts and those pains and take a back seat so that you can go where God wants you to go. I want you to raise your hand this morning. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Hands all over the building, that hand, that hand. God bless you. If we're going to pray this morning, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I believe that 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 experience, this moment, for God to move in your life and to touch your heart will take you to where he wants you to be. But you just made a great decision. Lay your burdens down. How many of you know that God fights our battles for us? You're, you're, You're opening yourself up to say, I'm tired of holding on. I'm tired of the pain. If our prayer partners will come. I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. Say this after me. I'm going to ask the whole church to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lay it down today. I want to be a part of your community. I'm tired of hidden secrets. I'm tired of things holding me back. Rejection holding me back. Fear of getting hurt again holding me back. And I ask you, Father God, to fill me with your spirit. I ask you to heal me today as I open up my heart and I lay down every burden. I lay down every pain. I lay down those sorrows to rise up again in you, Lord. And let me say this to you right there where you're at. If if you've done it on your own or you failed on your own, I have good news for you. You're not on your own anymore. I just said, you're not on your own anymore. There's people in this building. There's people sitting next to you and there's a Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you because of the power of Christ. You're not alone anymore. And so don't leave here today and let the enemy mess with you. The Bible says the enemy comes immediately to steal the word. And I just believe in today that if you'll get connected with the right people in the right group or the right situation and talk to people and be real with people and tell them your story, it'll just be a matter of time before God begins to use that story. Rick Warren says, if you'll share your feelings, you're one step closer to your healing. And so get that out in your heart and let it roll and let it go and, and, and let God begin to move in your heart. But I'm telling you, the enemy comes to steal the word. Don't let him steal that because some of you, that's a divine moment that just happened in your life. And as you leave here today, I just believe you're leaving in a whole new arena, a whole new light. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's program at the Life Church. Our prayer is that you've been blessed by this morning's message and that God would continue to speak into your heart throughout the week. We are so excited about what God is doing right here at the Life Church as we connect people with God's purpose. Again, if you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us for a visit at 3301. 
TLC Way. We have two Sunday morning services for you to choose from, 9.15 and 11 a.m. Again, our prayer is that you've been blessed and we hope you have a great week.